Good morning, One Church. Y'all doing well? Okay, I'm sorry. Some of y'all ain't glad to be here. All right, one more time. Are y'all having a good time this morning? All right, very good. Uh, we're in week two of our homebreaker series, and I'm so stoked that I get to teach this with my wife. Um, this is Kim. Y'all say hello to Kim. She is the best thing I've got going for me. That's what I'm saying, all right? If you're going to say amen during anything, that was it. You missed your point, all right? I'll tell you, last week um, we talked about uh, the, one of the biggest things that can wreck our homes, and not only wreck our marriages, but any relationship, is when we give our leftovers, when we stop pursuing our spouse, when we stop pursuing intimacy, because we have this natural drift towards isolation. Today, we're going to talk about expectations. I want to tell, uh, tell you a couple of things before we do that. At our resource table, we have a book by Mark and Grace Driscoll entitled A Real Marriage. Um, I'd encourage you guys, if you're wanting a resource to maybe be able to read with your spouse, really good resource. Also, my number is going to be up on the screen. Because one of the things that we want to do here at One Church is we want to create an interactive environment. So as Kim and I are teaching, if you guys want to uh, be able to text us some questions or some comments, you're more than welcome to do that. So make sure you, know, you do that, all right? Now, back to expectations, expectations. When people are standing in front of one another at the altar, we, we did this 19 years ago, by the way. 19 years ago, and we were just had all those dreamy eyes, and I really wasn't listening to the preacher, kind of like y'all are right now. Um, and uh, I mean, I just, I was so enthralled with you. And I'm sure you guys are with the very same thing. And I'm like, well, I enjoyed that. I mean, that's good. Uh, but we, we were just so dreamy eyed. Something happened, though, because when you said, I do, all of us, all of us have something called desires and expectations. We all have these desires that are good things, but if we, they can become bad things. In fact, some of you, some pictures are going to be on the screen. Some of you, you had this desire, ladies, of marrying a guy like this. Right? That was your desire. Here's what you got. Oh, yeah. Don't. All right, all right, some of you guys, you thought, you know what, here is the chick that I want to marry, there, right there, <laughs> and here is what you got. <laughs> By the way, I don't even think that's photoshopped, I got to be honest with you, good old Janet Reno, so anyway, some of you, you had this idea, you know what, I, I, when we get married, I'm going to have a nice car. You got, you're just going to have this car. It's going to be a Beamer. It's going to be fantastic. All right, that's not it. Um, but really, you got this Beamer, but here's what you're actually driving right now. Oh, yeah. There it is right there. A little bit of you-go going on. Thank you, Mr. Bean. Some of you, you got married, and you thought, you know what? He's going to show me the world. We're going to go to Paris, France. What you have seen up to this point, though, is Paris Tennessee, there it is, right there, right there. All of us, we have these ideas, we have these desires, if you will, and they're totally normal, um, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. You know, we talked last week about how we spend so much time investing in meeting someone and dating someone, and how there are so many organizations now that are committed to helping you hook up 
and you spend all this time investing in your, in your dating and trying to learn about the other person and what they love and what makes them tick and, and just how, how, much, you know, how much fun we have doing that. And then as we get ready for our marriages, so often the things that we work so hard to invest in, um, we kind of lose that once we say, I do. Those things that we couldn't wait to do and we couldn't wait to be a part of, all of a sudden they go from being a desire to becoming an expectation. And Chris and I were kind of talking about some of that, and um, I know that for me personally, um, I did not realize when we got married that his mom is like, you know, Aunt Jemima. I mean, she can cook like nobody's business. And um, if you've eaten her food, I know that you know what I'm talking about. So I, I love her. Please hear me. This is nothing, this is nothing bad. I just, I didn't receive that gift from the Holy Spirit when I became a Christian. That was supposed to be funny. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, so... Um, so anyway, so one of the things that, you know, Chris may have had as a desire when we got married is that, that, that I'm, that I'm going to be a good cook. And I have to say, this is about my speed right here. If it comes in a box and it has directions and it takes 10 minutes, I am your girl. But if you want to talk to me about, you know, scratch this and scratch that, uh, yeah. So, so what may have been a desire of his when we got together uh, kind of becomes an expectation, and, and I'm not sure that I've met that. Well, so. I think guys, and all of you guys can help me out here, we all have a desire when we get married for our wives to wear something like this, or even, it may not even be this, it may be even less, <laughs> called dental floss, right? We all have this desire that every night she is going to come to bed wearing this or less, and we're like, oh, and it's just going to be amazing, right? Right? Okay, girls, give it up. This is what I'm talking about right here. Now, this is more along the line of my desire. I'm talking about some comfort, give me some room to spread out. You know what I mean. So this is what you got, baby, right uh, here. So, that's called anyway. unconfessed sin. Okay. Well, All right. Let's just... Uh, others of you, you may have gotten married and you're like, man, I just, I wanted that new car. And again, there's nothing wrong with any of these desires. Nothing. Nothing wrong with it. But we have these desires, and when you say, I do at the altar, these desires, all of a sudden, they become expectations, and it starts weighing down the other spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, for ladies, sometimes uh, we like to think of our homes as kind of our, our central place where we, everything comes out of our home. You know, our husbands are there, our, children's are there, our children are there. At the end of the day, we want to gather in all of our little chicks and nest down in our house. And, you know, through the years sometimes, what starts out as a, a nice little three-bedroom ranch can turn into something that grows and grows and grows. And now we need a media room, and now we need an exercise room, and now we need whatever that may look like. And so what starts out as a nice, simple little house and a place for us to live may grow into an expectation of something much larger. And so it's not bad to want a home to live in, but we have to be careful that we don't allow that that place to become a place of expectation for us. Uh, Others of you, because your mom did everything, all right, you expected your wife to be the maid, right? And some of, it's mighty quiet in here, by the way. <laughs> mighty quiet, all right? You expe- I mean, because I mean, your mama did everything. I mean, you came in, you took off your clothes, underwear was everywhere, and she picked that up for you. God bless her soul, right? And you expected when you got married, because your mama did it, 
that your wife wants to do it. And I'll tell you, uh, Kim, this has never really been an expectation, but I'll tell you one thing, and, and we've not even talked about this, so this may be bad. Um, uh, and, and my mom always ironed. She always ironed. And um, just hang on, hang oh on. Um, and uh, so my, I mean, I never had to, you know, but one of the things. I grew well, up in polyester, okay? Uh, absolutely. <laughs> so, but I mean, that's just something my mom always did. And you just kind of, when you get married, because those are your experiences, you think, well, that's what your wife is going to do because that's the way you were brought up. And again, nothing wrong with those desires because that's, again, nothing wrong. But when you start placing those on your spouse's expectations, there becomes a weight there, and you start feeling pressure, or I start feeling pressure. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the final thing is, uh, <laughs> final thing is the, the old checkbook. You know, once again, when we're dating, it's, we're so happy to spend money on one another. We're so happy to, oh, let's go out to eat, let's go to the movies, let's go shopping, whatever that is. You know, you, you invest a lot of money when you're dating someone. You invest a lot of your, your financial resources. And then when you get married, it's a whole different ballgame. You know, what, what becomes, let's, we could do this or let's do this becomes, we're going to spend what? How much does that cost? And so what helps meet our desires as we invest in that relationship in the beginning can really get put into that expectation box of, well, I thought you were going to pay for that, or I thought your paycheck covered this, or my paycheck covered that. So we really have to watch out in the area of our financial lives because that can become one of those areas where what helped meet our desires now has, has worked its way into expectations. There's a verse in Proverbs, uh, chapter 13, verse 12, that just kind of, I think, expresses this really well. And it says, not getting what you want can make you feel sick, but a wish that comes true is a life-giving tree. Now, let's be honest with ourselves for just a moment. You know, if, we have, if we've gone through that dating relationship, we've worked into that marriage relationship, sometimes we can start feeling like, I'm not getting what I want. I, I've become lost in this relationship. I am now invisible. I am known for what I do instead of who I am. I'm known as the clothes picker-upper and the food fixer and the bed maker and the toilet cleaner. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we become identified through what we do for our husbands, what we do for our children, what we do in the workplace. And so we begin to feel sick because we feel like, what about me? What happened to me? What about the things that I used to love, the things that I used to like to do? And that's one of the things that we want to look at today as we talk about desires and expectations. When we get our eyes focused on ourselves, so many times that sends us right into that path of living in the path of expectation because we look at what we want and what we expect. You know, our marriages begin to feel mediocre. We drain the intimacy right out of them because of what we expect from our spouse. And I want to say to you today that if you are here and you are single, a, a prime rule that we need to think about is as you are praying about the person that God may bring to you or the person that, that you are being prepared for, marry somebody for who they are today, not for who you, dis, you expect them to become. That's right. Marry someone for who they are today. 
not for who you expect them to become. Because right from the beginning, you've placed that person in the expectation box. You're already looking for them to be something that they are not, someone that they are not. And when we do that, what we end up doing is we put that person in a place that they never asked to be. We put them in a place that only God can be to us. I know that there are times that I expect some things from Chris that only the Lord can be to me. And when I come to him and I expect him to provide me with security or I expect him to help me overcome fear or I expect this, that, the other of him, what I'm doing is I am just grabbing hold of him and I am dragging him into a place that only the Lord belongs in my life. And so no wonder I'm going to feel disappointed in him. He's not my Jesus. I don't measure up. Not to Jesus. Just saying. He's a great guy. He's got some great qualities. There are some things about him that I admire so much. But I cannot expect him to be everything to me. That is the role of God in my life. And so as, as we move through our marriages, as we move through our relationships, we're like, man, what is wrong? What happened here? How come I don't feel the way that I used to feel? How come this doesn't feel close like it used to? What we've got to remember is that in order to get what you once had, you have to do what you once did. If your desires were those things that you were pouring into, and now all of a sudden that has become something that you expect, you're not going to be behaving in the same way. You're not going to be grateful for those things. You're just going to be like, where's mine? What have you done for me lately? And so I think that's a really important thing for us to keep in mind as we, as we move through our relationships. In Ephesians 5, verse 21, it says, And further you will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, we've talked a lot about this word submit, and we've talked about it in a few different ways, about, you know, when God swings, we want to duck and be out of the way so that, you know, when God gets ready to hit, he's going to wham right on our guy instead of us because we're supposed to be in line with Christ. I want to say to you another way to look at that is to willfully bow down. I want to humble myself. And so as I look at that, not in a negative way, because I, you know, I just think through time, we hear that word and we're like, oh, submit. That means that I have to just give up every single thing that's important to me. I have to lay down anything that means anything to me. And that's not what this says. This says um, you will submit to one another out of your reverence for Christ. What this is telling me is that I have to be in line with Christ first in order to be in a right place with Chris. I have to bow down and out of reverence. What is that? What is reverence? That is awe. That is passion. That is love. That is, that is that holy fear that we have. And so when I bow down before the Lord and I say to him, I, these are the areas in my life that I need you. This is where I need direction. I need you to fill me up. And when I do that and bow down before him, then out of that comes my love and my submission to Chris. Does that make sense to anybody? You know, that condition is that don't expect this to be great if this isn't. That's right. And we can say that about a lot of relationships in our lives. It's not just 
It's not just here. We can say that in friendships and, mm-hmm. and in our parenting we can even say that. Mm-hmm. But I have to be willing to bow down first. Submit means that I'm going to prioritize his needs over mine. And that is our big idea for today. Prioritize the other person's needs over your own. If I'm working so hard to find out what Chris needs, and I'm, and I'm seeking the Lord, and I'm saying, how can I encourage Chris? How can I pray for Chris? You know what that does? It takes my eyes off of me. Because I'm busy looking to the Lord, and I'm busy looking to Chris. And I think that is something that we lose sight of because we get into our marriages and we feel so weighed down by all the roles that we carry. And it's like, this is not fair. I don't get to do what I want to do. When if I can keep my eyes on the Lord and stay bowed down to him, then it clearly allows me to see what Chris needs to me. Ephesians 5.22, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. There again, we see it. I have to have this relationship right first, and then I can focus on this one. Mm. It's the same way for husbands. Absolutely. In fact, he goes on and he says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. What he says to the wives, he now says to the husbands, he says, For husbands, this means you are to love your wives. Now, love your wives because they deserve to be loved. Love your wives because they've earned it. No, 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 no. Love your wives what? How Christ loved the church and how he gave up his life for her. God is saying, husbands, we are to prioritize the needs of our spouse over our own needs. Guys, this isn't about how lovable she is. It isn't about what, if she's earned it or if she's deserved it. This isn't about really her at all. This has everything to do with your relationship with you and God. I mean, that's it. Ladies, this isn't about him, whether he's a couch potato on Saturday. This has nothing to do with him. This has everything to do between you and God. Because he, it, 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 it's amazingly enough how I love how this is. It, you would expect it to say, you know, submit to one another because he's great. Submit to one another because he's such a godly man. Or you need to love her because she's so awesome. Now, that's not what it says. It's all about Jesus. I love that. Husbands, prioritize your need, her needs over your own. Now, let me ask you this, guys. If I were to ask you question, would you, like, step in front of a bus and, put you, and push your wife out of the way and you get hit by a bus by protecting your wife? How many of y'all would do it? All of y'all. In fact, it's, it's, I saw some guys not raise your hands. We need to talk later. I'm just saying, all right? Because some of you go, I would push her in front of the bus. That's not what I asked, all right? So here's what I'm saying. You, none of us, most, most of the men with us, because we're macho, all right, would say, yeah, I'd take a bus for her. Uh, you know? But let me ask you a question. That's, that's big scope stuff, okay? So you would die for your spouse. Yeah, okay. How many of y'all this? How many of y'all would go to counseling to make your marriage better? Well, no, I wouldn't do that, right? I mean, hear me. Most men think of counseling as an admission of weakness. And i got to be honest with you, that's bunk. It's bunk. I'll tell you, most of the counseling I do is usually all about relationships and marriage, and most of the counseling I do, the lady shows up and the man is not there. You know what that communicates? You know what it communicates? 
It communicates, you know what, if the guy, I'm not in this relationship. I really don't care about the relationship. How many of you, let me ask you this. Okay, we'll take the bus. How many of you would turn off the playoffs and turn off the TV and turn to your spouse and actually converse with her? You see, it's easy to say, you know what, yeah, I'd take a bus for her, but you know what, we, will, we won't turn off the game. We won't turn off the game to be able to say, you know what, I want, I want to work on this relationship. God is saying, are you willing to submit? Are you willing to put your spouse's needs first over your own? God is saying, I want you to take this debt-free relationship that you have with me because God gave us his son, and none of us deserved it, right? He just gave us his son. There was no debt-free. I mean, it it was a debt-free relationship. He gave us all that he has, and now we are to respond. And I love this because marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. Y'all know the difference? Let me tell you what a contract is. A contract is is legalistic, and it's self-serving. You enter into a contract because you want to protect your needs, your desires. You're trying to protect yourself. You're trying to protect your wants. But that's a contract. Marriage is not a contract. What is marriage? A covenant. Now, here's what a covenant is. A covenant is more relational, and it values the interests of the other person over yourself. In a covenant, you focus on your responsibilities rather than your rights. You prioritize the other person's needs over your own. It's about you focus on your your responsibilities, what I need to do, over my rights. That's huge. Now, for those of you who are single, I mean, think about this. The preparation for a covenant marriage focuses on being the right person instead of finding the right person. That's huge. Some of you are miserable in your marriage today. I know this because we've been there as well. We don't have a perfect marriage. We, we fight. We have, no, we, we have discussions. All right? And you probably had those discussions as well. Well, let me say this. If you're miserable in your marriage, if you don't like what you're getting... Look at what you're giving. If you don't like what you're getting in your relationship, then look what you're giving. The reason why your marriage might be miserable is that you're focusing on your own desires, your own wants, your own dreams, and we have a tendency to take all of our desires and we dump them on our spouse. And then they feel this pressure that they can't measure up. And they can't. What we need to do is we need to take all of those good desires, take them out of the expectations box, and place them back in the desires box. Nothing wrong with cleaning, all right? But it doesn't need to be an expectation. Nothing wrong with cooking. It just doesn't need to be an expectation. It's a good desire. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. There is something definitely wrong with this. Hey, now. I am sin. That's called sin, all right? There's definitely nothing wrong with this. I'm saying, my point is... Why don't you try that on? <laughs> it, it would cover up about this part right here. That's what it did. But again, you see what I'm saying? Nothing wrong with anything in this box. Nothing. There is a problem when we put this stuff and we, and we put it on our spouse because it just feels like pressure. Mm-hmm. And you can't... So my question is, I just easily took it out of the expectations of putting desires. That was easy physically. How do you do that in here and in here? And the key is Philippians chapter 2. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Philippians chapter 2. We're going to be there for the rest of the time this morning. Philippians chapter 2 was written by Paul. And you know, many of you, you've read this verse if you grew up in church. If you've not grown up in church, this is kind of new to you. But Philippians chapter 2, we're going to be looking at this in the context of relationships. 
in relationships. And this can work in marriages as well as friendships and other relationships. Look at this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says this. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Do, what does it say? Nothing. Let me, let me tell you, the Greek word for nothing, you know what it means? Nothing. Exactly right. That's what it is. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but that's what we do a lot because we want our desires met, our desires, but that's not the goal. It's the goal is to focus on meeting their desires, not ours. We need to adopt the idea that we're going to value our mate more than ourselves. Mm. Now that, I'm just going to be honest, that can be difficult. I mean, if we, if we cut away the layers and we get to the core of who we are, more often than not, we are driven by what we want, what I want. Chris and I were talking um, the other day. Um, last year, I went to the eye doctor for the first time in about 18 years. Oops. And um, anyway, he, he was talking about how it was my special year, meaning that I turned 40 last year. And so he, you know, did the eye thing, and I was like, ooh, I'm having trouble seeing that. And, um, and he was like, oh, and watch what's going to happen. And he flips the little Lindsay things, and he's like, this is going to be your eyes at 41. And it got a little blurrier. This is going to be how you'll see at 42. And it got a little blurrier. You know, we, that's, that's how kind of we are with ourselves. The more that we, we focus on ourselves and we look at the other person, it's kind of blurry. Because we're so focused on what we want and who we are mm. that then when I try to look over here, it takes me a minute to focus right. because I've been too busy looking at myself. And Philippians 2.4 says, not looking to your own interest, yeah. but to the interest of others. We were also talking last night about how, um, you know, when you're, when you're hoping to woo someone and win their love... Uh, that, that you'll do some things that you Wait, probably... Hey, that was fun. Let's do that again. Okay, right mm, that, uh, you'll probably do some things that you wouldn't ordinarily do. And a great example of, of Chris doing that for me was when we were in college and we were dating. One afternoon, Chris said that he would like to fix lunch for me, and then we were going to watch a movie. Now, you all know Chris loves movies. Movies, they're not really my, my favorite thing. And, of course, it was, you know, Omani Tutanka Owachi. By the way, uh, does anybody know what movie that's from? There you go. Thank you. All right. right. So, you know, here I am thinking about this three-hour saga that we're about to embark on. Um, Feeling so excited. I love that day. That was great. Anyway, um, and so Chris fixes lunch, and he he knows that I like squash. I like to eat squash. So he fixes it, and I was actually thinking this morning, I bet his mother prepared that, now that I'm thinking back on it. Uh, But anyway, so we have lunch. It's true, isn't it? Uh, I, you just need to keep on talking. We're revealing things this morning. Uh-huh. I feel it happening. Uh, we right? need to unreveal okay. some stuff. Anyway, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, um, so we're having lunch, and we're eating the squash, and oh, it's woohoo, great lunch, and movie, and all that great stuff. And then after we had been married for about three years, I, it came to my mind that we've, we'd never eaten squash. And so I just felt compelled to just say, you know, oh, let's have squash. And Chris is like... Yeah, he hates squash. Let me be clear about that. The man cannot stand squash. But because he knew that I liked it, he was willing to fix it for me. And he did eat it that day that we were together. Of course, he did 
you did have your napkin pretty close to the table there. Uh, but that idea that he was willing to do something that meant something to me, mm. even though he couldn't stand it. And it's the same way I remember, and by the way, I remember that day. It was February the 7th. It was my birthday. I was the very first day we ever kissed. It was when that whole squash thing, I'm just saying. So it was a good day. It was totally good. Oh, my so, gosh. Anyway, thank you, mate. Um, I, I, it's like this. I love, I love camping and canoeing. I'm an avid canoer. And I, I, you know, there for a while I was going canoeing every day on the Red River. I remember asking Kim, hey, would you go canoeing with me? Now, I don't know if you know that Kim is, is not an outdoorsy person. Uh, her idea of outdoorsy is, is shopping in the mall, okay? So, um, and I lo- I'm a Boy Scout, I'm an Eagle Scout, and I love canoeing. So I remember asking her to go and canoe- canoeing with me, and she did. Why? Because she was interested in the things that I was interested in. And here's the thing, I, that's what, if you want what you want, once had, you need to do what you once did. I know that's bad English, but it's good relational, um, uh, you know what I'm that's saying, good advice, all right? It's huge there. Because we have this thing as adults, I can't, if she's not, if he's interested in NASCAR, then, then I, I'm not interested in NASCAR, so I'm not going to go to any events. No, 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 no. Again, you used to do this when you were dating, and you stopped doing it. It's like, guys, y'all remember this? You remember the time when you fixed popcorn, and you sat down, and you actually turned on the television to Lifetime, and you watched that godforsaken movie, The Notebook. Hey! You know what hey, I'm saying? Hey, hey. I mean, uh, no, I mean... That's just creepy, the, them dying in each other's on his, oh, on no. his arms. I love just, to do anything. Uh, that's, no, and they can't do that. I'm just saying, I don't want to die the same night. I'm just, you did that, why? Because you were interested in the things she was interested in because you wanted to win her heart. Well, here's the thing. You got married. You said, I did. It's done. The job's not over. You have to keep winning her heart. We talked about that last week. It's, 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 pass, it's, it's persistently pursuing, if you will. This is huge. Hear me on this one. Guys, there is another woman out there. Guys, there is another guy out there wanting to woo your woman. And let me tell you how he's going to do it. He's, he, he wants to win her heart from you, and it's not going to happen by him spending seven days in the gym getting buff. And being able to move his pec muscles in the mirror. No. Let me, tell you how, let me tell you how his strategy is he is going to be interested in the things that your spouse is interested in. That's the key. Ladies, it's the same principle. Um, you know, there's probably another lady out there that may be interested in your man. And the way that she's going to find a connection with him is to express an interest in the things that interest him. And so if we are connected with our spouses, if we're pouring in, if we know what their needs are and we're able to meet them and to identify them, and even if it's, it's, not, a, it's not a case of fixing things, please hear that. It's not a case of making your spouse's life perfect. It's being willing to listen. It's being willing to come alongside. It's being willing to support and watch and discuss. It doesn't mean that you have to become that. Mm. It just means that you come alongside with that. And so that's a really important part of continuing to pour into that relationship, making sure that the desires that your spouse has are met so that it doesn't become that expectation. That's right. And then they're focused on me, 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 me. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 8, it says this. We continue. In your relationships with one another. Look at this. 
have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God to be used to his own advantage. Isn't that interesting? But rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is what's so amazing. Jesus humbled himself. Jesus prioritized us over himself. I mean, he didn't want to go to the cross. In fact, he even said, Father, I really don't want to do this, but not my will, but what? Yours be done. But he decided to put his own comfort, and, and, and he prioritized us, and he died a death, a horrific death on the cross. And not because we deserved it, right? Did any of us deserve that? No. In fact, Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. None of us deserve it. And here's the thing. Your, your wife may not deserve this, or your husband may not deserve this. You're asking the wrong question. And you're focusing on the wrong person. Don't focus on them. Focus on Jesus. Because it has nothing to do with her or how good she is or not good she is. It has everything to do with the goodness God has shown you. Sometimes we just have to let our spouse off the hook. You know, sometimes we have to be willing to say, you don't owe me for what I do for you. You don't owe me for the role that I play in this family. Chris doesn't owe me for doing laundry and cleaning and picking up, and he doesn't owe me for that. That's part of my calling as his wife. That's part of what I consider to be my responsibility. So sometimes we just have to let go of some things that we want to stew over, let our spouse off the hook so that they can just get back up to level ground. You know, we, we've got all these expectations and we're way up here and they finally meet those expectations and then, and then we're here. Our spouse can never get ahead because we've got this constant debt that we feel like they owe to us. And so for the sake of the health of that relationship, just let them off the hook in a few areas. And that brings us to our homework this week. Take some time and make a list of some things that you consider expectations of your spouse. How can you tell if it's an expectation? Well, usually, as we mentioned earlier, you don't say thank you for it. If you feel it's something that your spouse just should do because he's, because he's the man or because she's the woman... And you don't say a thank you for that. If Chris takes out the trash and I'm just like, oh, good, that's done. Well, that kind of throws that in the expectation box. But if there are ways that he serves that I can say thank you so much, then I'm showing my gratefulness. That's the way you tell between that desire and that expectation. So take some time and write those down. And really begin to look at, are there some areas where I can just let my spouse off the hook? Are there some things that I can just let go of? Are there some areas where I can just show some love and some mercy and some grace? And when I do that, when I let them off the hook, then I've allowed some intimacy to grow. Mm. I've allowed some romance to spring forth. Because as long as I have those expectations, I'm just squeezing the life out of it. I'm just piling on the weight, as Chris said earlier. Then after you do that, go back and read Philippians chapter 2. Read it every day this week. That's right. I asked Chris in the first service if he remembered. We had... A portion of that chapter read in our wedding ceremony and the response was I did not remember that and here's the reason why it's because I was focused on you oh baby. yes uh -huh. 
Yeah, Uncle Walter read that. I don't know if you remember, he was there. I remember Uncle uh, Walter. Anyway. <laughs> but just that idea of going back and just reading about how we lay ourselves down in order to follow what Christ has us to do in a relationship. Wouldn't it be so fun mm. if in our marriages we were seeing who could meet the other person's desires more than squeezing the life out of it with our expectations? Mm. Wouldn't that be just great? Yep. If I could get up in the morning with an attitude of, what can I do for Chris before he does it for me? And what, if, what can I do for Kim before she does it for me? I will never do that again. All right? In fact, I think I sprained something. Oh. That, I mean, that really is, uh, and, 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 and that's what a Christian marriage should look like. It's, it's, I'm going to serve you. No, I'm going to serve you. Well, how did Jesus describe leadership and greatness? The greatest among you will be what? A servant. A servant. And that's what we're called to be in our marriage. We're called to serve one another. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are thinking, okay, it, I, what if I do that, but my spouse doesn't do that for me? We're going to talk about that next week because we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Because through this, all of this thing, we have this tendency, well, I will do this if she does this, and we called that last week conditional love, and Jesus doesn't call us for conditional love. He calls us for what? Unconditional love, all right? So that's the key. So we're going to be talking about that next week. Got a couple of questions, some really good questions, all right? Uh, here's one. Is there such thing as a seven-year itch or a 12-year itch? <laughs> so that was funnier than I thought it was going to be. Um, you, you want to answer that? You want me to? I, th I think we talked about that, and our, I think we... Like when seven years approached, we were kind of hanging on, mm -hmm. like, oh, is this going to be the bad year? Sure. Um, I know our first year, I know Chris has shared that before, man, our first year, wow. I mean, I don't know if you've ever had that feeling of like, Lord, could you just take that back real quick? Um, <laughs> you know, just that idea of what have I done? Um, oh, no, it wasn't that bad. Mm -mm, not at all. Um, I can tell I, you it was know, fun. I think, I think what that refers to in our relationships is that, we just get comfortable. Yeah. We just get complacent. We stop pursuing. We just get to the point where we just, we just know. And even though there's, there is a great, a great amount of, um, I don't even know the word. Security means a lot. Let me say that. So being secure in a relationship, especially for women, I think, um, is a huge place to be. Um, I want to know that I'm, that I'm cared for, that I'm loved, that Chris is going to provide for me. All of that provides security for me. But just because I have that security does not mean that I can just ignore whatever needs are there. There's a fine line between being content and taking someone for granted. And that's what we're talking about. The reason why we have these itches where we want more is because somebody stopped pursuing somebody. So I would say it doesn't have to be seven or just 12. Um, it, 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 can be, it can be two. It can be two. Great question. Another one. Chris, when you become married, should your income become one? The answer is yes. Absolutely. This, you know, when you, when you guys, before you were married, you had your own checking account. They had their own checking account. And when you come together, you can't keep on saying, this is mine and this is mine. No, the two become what? One. If they become one flesh, and if they become one flesh, everything becomes one. Now, we're going to be talking in a couple of weeks about money, because that's a huge homewrecker. Um, so we'll, t we'll give you some more principles about that. That's really, really good. It says this, um, uh, we are getting married this summer, and uh, we know there's a lot to prepare for. 
Uh, does our church have a program where older couples mentor newlyweds? That's a great question. I know one of the things our church does do, we do something, we do a married life live four times a year. It's kind of like conference for marrieds. But we do something called pre-married life live, and that's for counseling for um, people who are going to be married. So if you're interested in that counseling, you're welcome to email me at chris at onechurch.tv, or you can text me, um, and we can be able to get you involved in that. But right now, we don't have older couples mentoring younger couples. If you're interested in that and you're an older couple, uh, that would be great. I know we have a couple, we have an older couple on staff who does that with a couple of people who's really, really good. If you are separate from your better half for many months, how do you keep that connection over that time period? How do you keep that connection? Well, again, um, do you have anything you want to comment? I don't want to monopolize the conversation. All right, all right. Um, is, uh, I would just, again, as much as you can, especially with technology the way it is today, uh, just try to, it's those little small things that add up over time. It's the little small things. I was talking to a, a friend of mine uh, in my community group this past week who's, who's actually serving in Afghanistan. And he says, you know, I want to be able to show my wife how I love her, but, I, you know, I'm thousands of miles away. How do I do that? And, again, it's, it's Skype, it's Facebook, it's trying to send flowers. If you don't have enough money to send flowers, you get some friends here at one church to go over and do a singing telegram with your wife. I mean, seriously, get crazy, get creative, but don't let that stop you for continuing to build in that relationship. I have a, I have a great example yeah. of that. I was in a ladies' Bible study a few weeks ago, and um, the, the couple had their wedding anniversary while he's deployed, and he, he forgot, the husband forgot. And so the wife, her feelings were really hurt, and, and she, they got the opportunity to talk on the phone, and she was just like, how could you forget of all the things that you forget? And I'm over here, and I'm missing you, and I'm thinking of you, and whatever. And she's like, I just, I just, I just want you to be my rock. You know, while you're not here, I just need to know that you're my rock. And so, a few days later, package came in the mail. Oh, my. You got it. It was a rock. And he had, the husband had, had it engraved, and it said, I am your rock. And then he put a scripture reference underneath there as well because several places, several places in scripture it talks about where the Lord is our rock and we can stand on him. And she said she just opened the box and she was like, oh my gosh, you know, she just fell apart and she is now sleeping with the rock. <laughs> so if you want to get creative, fellas or ladies, you know, listen to what your spouse is saying because there may be some clues in there that you can easily tap into. And she said, that is the best thing. She's like, I, I just, I thought I wanted flowers, but it really was the rock. <laughs> <laughs> Two more questions, and I got a lot more than that, but uh, we're running out of time. Uh, this one, is it wrong for a Christian couple to have an open sexual relationship within their marriage? Now, we may need to do some defining here. Um, if open sexual relationship means that you're sleeping with other people, absolutely that is wrong. Uh, the Bible forbids that. Let me tell you, God created sex, not Katy Perry. Okay? This was God's idea. Now, because it was God's idea, it's a good thing. Anybody want to agree with me on that? Thank you, Jesus. All right? It is a good thing within the context of marriage between a man and a woman who are married. Okay? It's like this. We have a fireplace within our home, and I love building fires, okay? And uh, you put that fire in the fireplace, it's a good thing. It provides warmth, it provides heat, it provides light. But you take that same fire out of the context where it should be in the fireplace, and you put it on the drapes. It becomes a very negative, bad thing quickly. 
And that is what sex is. If, if, if an open relationship means you're bringing pornography into your marriage, or if you're, um, you're you know, getting crazy with other people outside of your marriage, that is, God is not for that, and you will damage and kill your relationship with your spouse, not spice it up. It's just that, it's, I can't be any more clear than that. Um, and the last one, um, uh, uh, this one. Uh, I desire for my husband to lead me in our family in a closer walk with Christ. How do I keep that from becoming an expectation? Wow, that's a great question. Can I that? Please do, babe. One of the things that um, Chris and I have actually dealt with that uh, when we were in seminary, um, I, I developed the expectation that here we are, we're in school, Chris is learning all the stuff about the Bible, and he's the leader, and he's going to be a pastor, and so I really just started to expect from him that he was just going to just lead, lead on. You know, he had on his, his knight's outfit and his shield and his sword, and, you know, he was going to brandish all things evil away from us, and, you know, I just want to say that just because God has called men into the role of spiritual leadership, it does not mean that it comes easily for them, ladies. And that's not, that's not to put them down in any way. It's, it could be the same way in our lives. Just because God has called me to be a mom, it doesn't mean that it comes easily to me. Mm. And so once again, I think this is one of the areas where we have to let our spouse off the hook as far as that expectation of them, and we need to become their biggest cheerleader. Mm, that's good. We need to be the one that says, I believe in you, I trust you, and I've got your back. Because I dare to say there's not a man in here that if he knows that he has got a woman who is cheerleading for him in the background... And who says, I believe you. Hey. You go, girl. I'm just saying. I was a voice major, okay? Yes, you were. Singing and cheering, two very different things. Anyway, but if we know that we have got someone who is right there behind us and yeah. beside us, and they are like, you go. I believe in you. I trust you. I've got your back. What man would not want to lead in that situation? What man would not want to rise up to the situation and say, she is counting on me. I better get on my knees before the Lord. I better seek him. She is depending on me. And so from a wife's standpoint and from a, a female standpoint, we will do them a great honor and a great favor if instead of saying, why aren't you leading? If we say, I believe that you can lead. And I believe that as you listen to the Lord, he will lead you to lead me. Absolutely. Thanks, babe. Thank you guys for coming today. I'm going to ask my friend Luther to come out, and we're going to take our offering. He has a couple of announcements he'd like to be able to share with you guys. Again, thank you so much for coming today. It's an honor being with you guys, and we'll see you next week.